guest for this episode of the podcast is Dr. Saad Ali. Dr. Saad Ali Khan is an assistant professor at Center of Excellence in Gender Studies at Qaid-e-Azam University in Islamabad, Pakistan. His area of interest is contemporary Sufism in Pakistan, feminism, gender, men and masculinities. Dr. Saad is basically an academician and a Sufi aspirant. He is currently working on his book on contemporary Sufism in Pakistan where he would explore the intersection of gender with Sufism in Pakistan. In this podcast, he will talk with us Sufi discourse and practices in Pakistan where he will share about the origin, historical fact and the contemporary discourses of Sufi practice in Pakistan and we will also explore the gender dynamics in context of Sufi discourse. I hope you will enjoy this conversation. Dr. Saad, welcome to Global Development Review Podcast and thank you very much for joining me and accepting my invitation. Uh, could you please tell us something about Sufism and what are the historical roots of Sufism from where it started and how it started? Thank you so much, uh, Jafar, for giving me this opportunity to be this uh, on this um, very exciting initiative that you have taken. The question that you have asked, in fact, it's very difficult to answer all these questions in uh, in in, the, in one go, but I will try to briefly explain the questions that you have asked. So, uh, first of all, what Sufism is, if we look at the, the term Sufism, it, the, it is basically a combination of two words, which is one is Sufi and uh, the second term is ism. That says that it's a very modern uh, term, and it it has uh, this connotation of a of a modern terminology. If you look at the uh, the definition of Sufism is or how I would define Sufism, so Sufism is basically a tradition that is a spiritual and ethical tradition which is associated with Muslim societies, and it has essentially a connection with Islam. So this is a very fundamental aspect of Sufism that one needs to understand that um, there are many scholars who basically argue uh, that Sufism is something, uh, is a phenomenon, is a tradition that is, that goes beyond this religious confines. Uh, but uh, there are other scholars who basically debate that Sufism is essentially uh, an Islamic, mystical, spiritual tradition. So as a tradition, it has... Uh, all the that elements that a tradition normally has. So, for instance, um, Sufism as a spiritual, mystical tradition has uh, the elements of uh, the individuals who are basically involved or who basically believes in this uh, tradition. And they are called as Sufis. So, Sufi is an individual who is basically a Muslim individual and who believes in the philosophy, the uh, practices and the discourses that are uh, being articulated in Sufism. So this is a very brief uh, definition of Sufism. There, there, there has been many other academic and non-academic definitions that one can um, gauge and one can gather from the literature that is available. But this is one of the one of the simplest way that one can define Sufism as. Uh, the next thing is that 
if we look at the origin of this this term sufism as i've already uh, mentioned the term sufism is a modern term but the word sufi it is a derivative word that comes from the uh, term which is called as tasawuf the word tasawuf um, is 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 basically a word that says that um, a person who believes on tasawuf is called as sufi so the origin of this word dates back to the earliest uh, times of islam there are uh, many studies there are many historical studies there are many scholars who basically argues that um, basically the essence of the tasawuf comes from the uh, teachings of islam so uh, for instance what quran says and what the holy prophet peace be upon him says um, we can extract the essence of the tasawuf from uh, from the classic roots of islam so whatever is uh, the the aspects that are present in islam especially in quran especially from the life of the prophet we can extract the essence of the tasawuf from that but there are other historians who basically traced uh, back the 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 word tasawuf and sufis to the second uh, century after the hijra of islam or the 8th century um that is a particular time in which uh, the muslim society were growing all over the world and at that time there were particular individuals who associated themselves with this uh, this term or this tradition called tasawuf so for instance uh, uh, i would name some uh, sufis like um, hazrat rabia basri from uh, basra uh, hazrat um, hasan basri from basra these were the initial individuals who were qualified or called as sufis and uh, they believed in the the tradition of tasawuf so the origin origination of sufism is primarily from is is basically essentially from islam and uh, these the these these were the individuals who are called as the first sufis uh, then afterwards from the 8th and 19th uh, 9th century this this was the um, initial period of sufism in the world uh, tasawuf in the world and then it basically kind of um, uh, it spread out uh, throughout the world so you will find the uh, from 10th century to 13th century this is the time period where sufism kind of flourished all over the world and it's not only in the middle east but it also then kind of flourished in the central asia it comes to the south asia it even went to to the uh, to the african part of the world so during 10th uh, to 13th centuries we will find uh numerous examples of uh, different sufis from different parts of the world contributing and expanding the tradition of tasawuf all over the world yeah i just would like to uh ask you could you please elaborate what does tasawuf means actually for the sake of audience tasawuf the word tasawuf uh is basically i would like to explain the word sufi for instance what sufi is sufi the word sufi has different etymological roots so there are various explanations of this word sufis so for for instance one explanation says that the word sufi comes from the word suf which means a uh, a a a cloth uh, uh, a coarse cloth um, a cloth that is being veered by individuals that kind of um, identify themselves as aesthetics or renunciates these were the individuals who kind of um, stayed away from the worldly affairs and they were they were stayed away from the worldly affairs so one explanation is that the word 
Sufism comes from this word Suf, a woolen dress, a person who wears this woolen dress. The second explanation is that the word Sufism comes from um, this word, which is means Safwa, which means to purify your inner self. So any individual, any Muslim individual, any individual who is interesting in purification of the heart, the purification of the self, uh, would then be qualified as a Sufi. So individuals who were then, uh, then they were involved in certain practices, they do certain, um, certain kinds of, they practice certain teachers, they, they follow certain teachers, they were then qualified as Sufis. The third explanation is that uh, the word Sufi comes from the word which is Ahle Sufa. So the, these are the people of the bench. So at the time of the Prophet, they were the companions of the Prophet, who were basically kind of dedicated to a space within the mosque of the Prophet. And this, this space was known as uh, the, the bench or the sufa. So these were the individuals who were mostly involved in, in this, these practices, the spiritual practices. So these are the various explanations that the word Sufi comes from these various etymological roots. And if you combine all these definitions or these etymological roots, you will come to know that Basically, the Savuf is, is a tradition, is a spiritual tradition that is related to the purification of your inner self, of the individual, in order to get connected with the divine, in order to get uh, connected with the outer world. So that's, uh, that's one way of uh, looking at it. So uh, I was telling you about the, the, the fact that it's historically origination. After 10 to 13th century, it was kind of flourished all over the world. There were various kinds of changes and transformations that occurred during that time period. And it, this time period was also known as the classical time period of the Savuf or Sufism in the world. Uh, why it was called a classical time period of the Savuf in the world? Because there were um, special Sufi silsilas or orders that were established because of the because of the fact that more and more people were inclined and were joining the Savuf. So there were Sufi orders established um, in the 10th to 13th centuries all over the world. Then there were specific Sufi poetry that has been started to uh, take form in different parts of the world. Um, for instance, uh, you must be aware of the the, the Sufi of Mulana Jalaluddin Rumi mm. from uh, from Turkey and his spiritual poetry and his Sufi poetry. And there are other examples how, for instance, Sufism flourished during that time period. So from 13th century onwards, uh, Sufism and the Savuf as a phenomenon, as a tradition, can be found out in different parts of the world. And if you look at the Savuf or Sufism in contemporary times, there is hardly any place in the world where you won't find any Sufi or mm. you won't find the teachings of Sufism. Mm. So from east to west, from north to south, you will find Sufism, you will find Sufis all over the world. Yeah. So it has developed all over the world, but I would like to ask about your area of interest. So could you please uh, tell us like how it has reached, uh, developed in, in, in Pakistan? Yeah. Uh, so, for instance, the regions that uh, the the part of the the, the regions that now we call as Pakistan, um, the history of Pakistan is obviously it's it's a very uh, is is a recent Pakistan is a recent uh, developed country. It's 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 like uh, its history is 1947, but the parts that constitute Pakistan is much historical than that. So, if you look at the history of the Savuf and history of Sufism in this part of the world, which is South Asia or subcontinent or India and Pakistan, you will find earliest Sufis from 8th century 
there were um, there were reports that Sufis were traveling from different parts of the world to this uh, part of the world. There's one example that I would like to give you is the example of Hazrat Data Ganjbaksh. Uh, his, his name was Ali Usman Hijwari, who is buried in Lahore. He was one of the Sufis who basically traveled from the Central Asia and he came uh, to South Asia and he settled in uh, the modern-day Lahore and um, the, 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 the city which is called as Lahore in, in modern times. So, so from the initial time, uh, from the uh, 8th century onwards, there were Sufis who traveled from different parts of the world and they basically uh, uh, came to this uh, region or this uh, part of the world. The, the time period of Hazrat Data Gandbaksh is also the 10th or 11th century, and uh, he basically came from Central Asia. Similarly, there were other Sufis who also traveled from other parts of the world, from uh, the, the Persian part of the world, and they get settled in this uh, South Asia. The most interesting aspect of this is that after getting settled in this part of the world, uh, they also kind of engage with the local societies, with the local cultures. And uh, the, one of the most interesting thing that developed after their settlement here is that they started writing, they started kind of uh, engaging with the masses in their local languages. Mm -hmm. uh, so you will find uh, Sufi literature in this part of the world, not only in Persian language, but also in the vernacular languages of South Asia. Mm -hmm. You will find uh, the subsequent Sufis who were born in this part of the world especially in Pakistan and India, they contributed a lot in the, in the local languages. Yeah. Uh, so, for instance, writing in uh, Urdu Dakhani, writing in Bengali, right, writing in Gujarati, writing in Adavi, there are, there are many Sufis examples and you will find in literature, of uh, Sufi literature of South Asia, uh, which gives this a very interesting and a different aspect. Uh, and this also kind of reminds us about a very essential feature of the Savofis, that the Savof always develops in a closer connection with the local societies. So there's always a very close connection of Sufis with the masses. So they always had a, had a kind of affinity towards uh, the masses. So they kind of engage with the masses. And the masses also kind of had a very detailed and elaborative ex ex experience and interaction with Sufis. Um, so that's how Sufism started in Pakistan. And... Uh, uh, for for instance, I'll give I can give you many examples of Sufi poets uh, that are famous in in this part of the world, and uh, uh, why Sufi poetry was famous in this part of the world, especially because as I've already told you, the these Sufis kind of engaged in their local vernacular languages, and they kind of pro propagated their message. They kind of gave their messages. They they kind of connected with the message through Sufi poetry. So if you look at uh, the regions in, in Pakistan, from Punjab to Balochistan to Sindh to Gilgil-Baltistan um, to other parts of Khyber Pakhtunkhwa, these are all parts of Pakistan, you will find um, uh, Sufis uh, and Sufi literature and especially Sufi poetry. So, for instance, um, in Punjab, you will find the earliest examples of Sufis uh, writing in Punjabi language from Baba Farid to Khwaja Ghulam Farid to Hazrat Sultan Bahu. These are all Sufis to Baba Bulesha. These are all Sufis who are from, who range from the 12th century to the 15th and 16th century. Mm. Similarly, you will find uh, Sufi uh, poets from Sindh 
um so like shabdul latif bhitai sachal salmas um and uh, lal shahbaz kalandar contributing a lot in sufi literature through poetry so through this the the message of sufism of the sawf kind of get become part of the pakistani culture mm-hmm. and uh, the subsequent development that happened in pakistan was the establishment of sufi shrines and this is also a very uh, defining characteristics of mm-hmm. of the sawf and yeah. sufism in yeah, the world. yeah to, to just add to your uh, point i just also would like to know that uh, how the development of sufism actually has also Uh, played a role in the transformation of uh, you know pakistani society like you are saying that there there are development of shrines but i also would like to understand how in general in a broader way it has uh, you know played a role in in society of pakistan yeah uh, that's a very interesting question and um, a lot of studies and a lot of work has been done on various aspects of um, the sawf and the development of the sawf in pakistani society in the pakistani context um in my opinion one can understand the development of the sawf and the contribution of the sawf and sufism in uh, in in pakistani society at various levels so for instance right from the start of uh, the creation of pakistan in uh, even before the creation of pakistan uh, during the 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 movement uh, the creation of pakistan movement um you will find uh, the examples of uh, dr mohammad alama iqbal he is he is considered as um uh, as the as the as the as the national poet of pakistan and one of the main uh, teachings of alama iqbal is based on the sawf is based on mysticism islamic mysticism or sufism and he was inspired largely from mulana jalaluddin rumi so Uh, his teachings and his uh, ideas were kind of taken in the in the in the formative time periods of pakistan he was considered as the national poet of pakistan similarly after the creation of pakistan you will find at the at the level of state there were various regimes that 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 came in pakistan and they try to kind of understand the dynamics of shrine culture in pakistan because as uh, as i've already mentioned Uh, shrine culture shrine spaces is a very defining characteristics of the sawf in in pakistan and india and also in different parts of the world um so f- right from the earliest times of after the creation of pakistan you will find different um political leaders and the state engaging with the shrines shrines uh, directly and also indirectly um there there were specific instances in the develop in the political uh, history of pakistan where you will find um, the political leaders uh, kind of directly interacting with the custodians of the shrine the people who are kind of responsible for taking care of the shrines and then there was also a a a, a, a kind of a organization or institute that was developed to administer shrines in pakistan which is known as the uh, the ministry of oqaf or the ministry of endowment so the point that i am trying to tell you is that the sawf in pakistan has contributed at the level of state and also at the level of society at both levels it has uh, contributed in various ways um in terms of politics as i've given you the examples of how state engaged with with the shrines and how state engaged uh, with the polit- with the sufi philosophy but at the level of society you will find various kind of trends uh, related to the sawf related to sufism right from the beginning so uh, so for instance um 
the sufi culture the shrine culture is very popular culture in in pakistan not only in urban spaces but also in rural spaces so there are people who who are associated with shrines they they are kind of um, their their daily um, their daily lives are kind of associated with, associated with shrines similarly at the society level there are people who follow the ideology of the sufis they follow these particular sufis the examples that i have given you um baba bulesha or azza sultan bahu or hazrat shah abdul latif bhai from different parts of the world and interestingly each uh, part of the of of the country in pakistan has its own distinctive sufi culture so for instance the the there are certain similarities across pakistan when when we say sufi culture but there are also distinctive features uh in different parts of pakistan when we talk when we say the sufi culture so um so for instance the sufi culture of of uh, of kpk khyber pakhtunkhwa is very different from the sufi culture of punjab similarly sufi culture of punjab is different from the sufi culture of sindh so there are similarities and there are also um, uh, or diversity that is present in pakistan so um in terms of contribution the sufi philosophy i would say in my opinion has always been embedded in the society the people the masses are closely connected with the with the with the sufi ideas and sufi practices that are prevalent in in the sufi tradition okay right so uh, when when talking about contemporary pakistan and and you were talking about the development of orders or silsila in sufism so could you please tell us like what are the present you know form of orders or practices that are relevant across the world and and particularly in context of pakistan okay so um with the expansion of the sufism and sufism in the world as more and more people started uh, joining uh or starting following the sufism there was a need to form a structure a basic for, to formulate a basic structure of the sufism and then we saw the origination of this um particular uh, sufi structure called as um a master disciple relationship or a teacher disciple relationship which is otherwise also called as uh, the sheikh or murid or peer or murid relationship this relationship is basically a kind of a relationship that uh, helped uh individuals to follow the ideas and the practices of the sufis all, all over the world and the sufi silsilas and the sufi orders are basically uh kind of these were the structures that are basically associated with the sufi teachers and so for instance um the the sufi order that was established after Uh, the name of Maulana Jalaluddin Rumi is called as the Mevlavia Sufi order and this order is basically it's it has a specific tradition it has a specific practice which comes from the teachings of the Maulana Jalaluddin Rumi similarly if you look at the south asian tradition you will find four uh, major sufi orders or bigger sufi orders in terms of their followers or in terms of their uh, the the mass appeal so one is the Naqshbandi Sufi silsila the second is the chishtia sufi silsila the third is sohrawardia sufi silsila and the fourth is qadriya sufi silsila all these sufi silsilas um as their names suggest they they their names uh, or the, their origins are from a specific sufi teacher of a specific time period if you look at the contemporary time periods in pakistan you will find all these sufi silsilas 
being present in Pakistan. And when we say the Sawaf and Sufis, Sufi orders are pre- present in Pakistan, uh, these are all present not only in the rural area, but also in the urban area, which is, which is a very contemporary phenomenon because more and more educated people, more and more uh, intellectual people uh, are kind of also taking interest in, 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 the spiritual, uh, in this spiritual tradition. They are also kind of rediscovering this tradition and they are kind of um, uh, reinventing this tradition also in Pakistan. And there are various factors for that. Uh, so, for instance, one of the reasons that uh, I personally feel uh, is, is, was the basis of this uh, kind of reinvention of the Savuf in Pakistan is very experimental kind of an idea that um, was the Coke studio. So, for instance, Sufi music. And after the Coke studio, the Sufi music kind of regenerated in in Pakistan. It kind of get a new shape. It kind of get a new popularity in Pakistan. So, in contemporary times, um, we in Pakistan, we can find all the Sufi, almost all the Sufi silsilas that basically originated from from the South Asian region. And also, there are Sufi silsilas that that are coming from outside of South Asia. So, for instance, as I've given you the example of the Mevlavia Sufi Sinsla of Jalaluddin Rumi that comes from the Turkish region or the or, or this European region. Similarly, there are other Sufi Sinslas that are present in the West, like the Inaitya Sufi Sinsla is present in Europe and America. It is coming to Pakistan. It has its branches in Pakistan. Similarly, there are numerous Sufi Sinslas from the African region. Uh, so, for instance, from North Africa, the Shazalia Sufi Sinsla. So, with the passage, with with this globalization, with this technological advancement, with this all this um, uh, social media, all all of this um, has now be- become a kind of interact. This interaction has intensified, I would say, all over the world. So, you will find you will find all these Sufi Sinslas uh, operating in Pakistan and. Uh, there are there are people who are also following these Sufi Sinsalas. You are talking about like the popular media uh, Coke Studio, which is like becoming more popular, and also, you know, it has been accepted across the borders in South Asia, and like Urdu or Hindi speaking groups, uh, and also uh, within that group, what I see is like there there are also presence of like you know female Sufis like Abida Parveen and others. But uh, in general, when, when you talk, we were talking about, you know, Sufism and, and the Sufis, uh, I see a list of largely, you know, male Sufis are, are those. So it brings me to the question about the gender in Sufism and how, uh, how we can see the presence of male, female, non-binary person in Sufism and how the concept of Sufism has you know um, practiced through a gender lens or through a gender perspective so could you please share some insights about that yeah you have uh, rightly pointed out uh, this observation uh, and most of the individuals um, have this kind of observation and impression about the Sawaf and sufism and which is uh, in my opinion uh, is uh, largely correct because, um, as you have already told, there are much of the literature, much of the Sufi tradition has been taken up by the male individuals. However, now there have been studies, now there have been various uh, scholars who are working on this, uh, this very important aspect of 
uh, gender dynamics within Sufism, they have concluded that uh, you will see not only historically but also uh, contemporary the active role of women in the suburb. There are numerous examples from the history of the suburb where uh, numerous examples of women Sufis uh, from from uh, from the history that um, that has largely been undiscovered. And so, with the passage of time, there are historical sources which are which have been discovered. And with the discovery of these historical sources, one could see that uh, where, along with the male uh, Sufis, there were female Sufis, there were women Sufis who have actively contributed not only the formative time periods of the Savuf, but also with the uh, with the evolution of the Savuf and also in the contemporary times. So, for instance, um, there is one very famous example that has always been quoted is of Hazrat Rabia Basri. And she is considered as one of the most, uh, one of the pioneering uh, Sufis in the Savuf who basically introduced the concept of unconditional love within the tradition of Sufis. But there are other examples of a woman, uh, not only from uh, from the formative time period, but also with the passage of time, you will find different examples from different parts of the world of Sufi women contributing actively in the Uh The only reason that they were never being talked about is the fact that the literature that has uh, that has been attributed to them was very scarce, and it, it's not very uh, very much uh, available to the masses. But now the literature is coming up and now the scholars are, are working on it. Uh, the question of gender is very important uh, aspect within the Sawuf and within Sufism. Why it is important? Because um, gender is not only about women. It is about how women and uh, men and other non-binary individuals are being placed and being socialized in a, in a society, in a particular context, in a particular time period. So if you look at the tradition of the Savuf, you will find uh, a diversity of uh, opinions, a diversity of uh, ideas related to gender. You will find examples uh, from a specific um, context where um, there is kind of um, discourage, discouragement, or there's kind of a slightly uh, non-acceptability of women in, in, in certain Sufi practices. But you will also find numerous examples where women have been encouraged, especially they are being given uh, specific roles, special roles to, uh, to be a part of the Sufi tradition. You will also find examples of non-binary individuals getting accommodated in Sufi tradition. So, for instance, there are um, examples from South Asia where you will find uh, the examples of andro androgyny, androgynous behavior by Sufi individuals. There is a Sufi silsila in, uh, if, uh, in uh, India, which is known as Sada Suhagi Sufi silsila, in which the male Sufis uh, dress up like the, the brides. They consider them, themselves as, as brides of God. Similarly, there are Sufi silsilas in Pakistan known as the Kalandars, these are the individuals who basically dress up androgynous. They don't believe in this, uh, the, the strict gender division or, uh, or uh, discrimination. So they believe in, uh, in non-binary um, appearance uh, and non-binary articulation of gender. There are other examples that I can quote from Pakistan that exhibit this accommodation or uh, this kind of affinity of Sufis towards women and non-binary individuals. So, for instance, uh, uh, there is another example of Baba Bulesha 
is one of the most famous Sufi poets of Punjab, uh, writing in Punjabi language. And he used to say that uh, in his poetry, he is imagining himself as a woman. And he is using the metaphors that are very gendered. So he's, he's using the metaphors that are uh, used in, in, uh, in the daily homes by the woman. He's, he's using those metaphors to describe his uh, relationship with the God, to describe his, um, his experience of the soul. So within the tasawwuf, within uh, Pakistani uh, culture and tasawwuf, you will find the diversity of thought and practice when it comes to the question of gender. There is one, another example that I would like to quote here is, uh, there are people who when talk about tasawwuf and Sufism in Pakistan, mostly associate itself, uh, mostly uh, had this impression that it's only about going to the shrines. And you will find men and women and other individuals going side by side in shrines. There is no kind of gender discrimination or gender bifurcation in shrine spaces. That's also kind of indicative of the fact that Sufis have this ideology that gender for them is something which is uh, which is a personal identity, and the social construct of gender cannot discriminate individuals for getting to this path of the suburb or for getting connected with uh, with themselves or with the with the divine and the concept of gender the aspects of gender is is within the suburb all over the world is getting more and more attention in the scholarship in the literature these days in contemporary times um, there have been uh, literature there has been literature that talks about uh, many aspects of it but there is much scope and much space that is available to be researched Right. It also brings me to your own research. Like, could you please tell us what what you research on Sufism in Pakistan and what are the findings or what are the insights that you are getting on your research? So yeah, my uh, my research work was also um, on contemporary Sufism in Pakistan because uh, I was very interested in looking at how uh, over the period of time Sufism got trans transformed. What were the changes that has been brought by the phenomena of globalization uh, um, and other um, uh, other uh, phenomena that has contributed in the transformation of the Sufism in Pakistan. Um, in my research work, I have basically focused on um, the lives and works of Sufi women in, in contemporary Pakistan. So by focusing on four aspects uh, of the Sufi women, um, Sufi women in Pakistan, uh, these four aspects were uh, their leadership roles, uh, their discourses, their practices, and their communities. Uh, I basically um, had this. Um, uh, I basically researched on this fact that how these women have are contributing in this contemporary society as leaders, as someone who are teachers who are considered as Sufi teachers. They are very influential. They are very much. Um, uh, they are very much present uh, in their context. They are very much. Uh, they are educated. They are uh, from the urban urban class from the urban cities. They are very much connected with the international um, uh, Sufi orders, and they are uh, basically teaching. They are basically guiding individuals in Pakistan. So through their discourses, I explored their discourses. They they have they have written um, books. They have written. Uh, poetry. They have um, uh, they have also developed their own practices. 
and all of this uh, revolves around the fact that in modern times in contemporary times how the savuf and how sufism can be relevant to our lives and through their um, uh, through their own teachings through their own communities i was able to kind of look into this uh, aspects that how modern youth educated class urban class are getting involved and getting following uh, are following this uh, this tradition of the savuf and uh, why they are following uh, these individuals and how these women are being able to um, uh, to gain this um, uh, role of teachers how they are playing their roles so my whole research uh, revolved around because my work was an ethnographic study so i had the uh, the privilege and i had the experience of uh, engaging with this these sufi women and with the communities that they were um, uh, guiding so all of this um, in my research i kind of documented all of this um, and and what i feel is that they are playing a very significant role in contemporary pakistan through their teachings through their discourses through their practices one of the most interesting also element of the savuf is that and sufism is that it basically helps in the uh, helps individual to get connected with the with the soul with the spiritual side of the individual um it is basically the uh, as i've already mentioned it is basically the purification of the inner self so in the modern in 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 contemporary times uh what i have observed is the the sufi thought and the sufi ideas based on spirituality based on self consciousness self actualization all these aspects are kind of reinventing um or kind of um, are really getting popularized and uh, coke studio is one example of that coke studio is uh, repopularizing uh, the sufi literature the sufi poetry that that was part of the sufi the pakistani culture and it is being then given to the youth and the youth is basically now uh, getting attached and getting guidance from that um, uh, from that sufi poetry but there are other uh, avenues that are also available in pakistan so for instance the the advent of social media through social media now the the individuals can connect with the sufis uh, all over the world for for instance uh, there are sufi orders who are giving uh, lectures who are giving workshops who are giving uh, spiritual healing through internet through social media through these platforms that were not available in the past so the youth are getting more and more um, connected with the with the with the sufi ideology uh, because of the especially in the time of crisis like covid the we i also observed that people are now kind of uh, because of the isolation because of the social distancing they are also finding these mediums these avenues these ideologies very relevant and also helping them to cope up with um not only uh, with the psychological um uh, pressures that they are feeling or that they are experiencing but also helping them spiritually mm-hmm. so it is also kind of related to this new age spiritual phenomena that happened in the world so the new age phenomena the new age spirituality phenomena that talks about that spirituality is basically transcend it transcends the religious bounds mm-hmm. and an individual who can who can um uh, who can follow any uh, spiritual practice in order to heal themselves so in one way the contemporary sufism in pakistan is also um heading towards um uh, not i'm not generalizing it but certain parts of 
um, Sufism is also heading towards that new age spiritual movement where um, uh, the, the, the spiritual healing is going beyond the religious um, domain and it's going beyond the, the confined of the traditional religious spaces. So I find the relevance of Sufism, and especially the spiritual healing in these times, very relevant. And uh, uh, people of, especially the youth in Pakistan, um, they are, uh, because in my own research, what I have observed is that there are young, mostly young people who are uh, getting connected with these Sufi women. They are asking questions that were supposed to be uh, taboo in the society. They were supposed to be um, uh, uh, considered as not to be asked by, 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 by the youth. So now the youth are getting connected with these individuals, with these Sufi women. There are men, women, uh, transgender individuals who are um, following these Sufi women. They are inspired by their Sufi teachings. They find these Sufi teachings, their Sufi te- teachings very relevant and easy to understand, easy to follow, and um, there is no kind of structures and restrictions, um, which is more closer to the to to the, to to, uh, to their hearts. So, for them, it's very easy to to follow them. Okay, um, I'm just coming to my last question. So, if we have to focus our, you know, research more on Sufism. Uh, in contemporary times, especially across the world and also in Pakistan. So what would you suggest or recommend that, uh, you know, there is the area in in research uh, that needs to develop or that needs more focus, which is, uh, which is not touched that much? Um, in my opinion, there are, there are many aspects of the Sawaf and Sufism that needs to be researched. And um, so one of the area that I also worked on is the gender. As I have uh, said that there are many scholars who are working on it, but still there are many, um, lev- at many levels, this question of gender is not being addressed as it should have been addressed uh, in the Tasawwuf. Um, so uh, the contribution of transgender individuals in Tasawwuf, how in contemporary times, non-binary individuals see the relevance of the Tasawwuf is, is something, is a, is a topic that needs to be researched. It's something um, that needs to be um, talked about, that needs to be explored. And similarly, there are um, uh, individuals, the marginalized individuals in the society who are not being uh, given the space in the mainstream religious or spiritual discourses. Um, there is a larger need to talk about the involvement of those individuals, these marginalized individuals from the sexual minority uh, groups or the gender minority groups, how they are um, kind of associating or they are associated with uh, the spiritual uh, ideas. Um, So this is is one um, area that I find uh, very, um, it needs to be more researched, needs to be more uh, explored. Similarly, uh, the other area that I find uh, needs to be researched is the cross-cultural interaction of Sufi uh, Sufis uh, in contemporary times. For instance, the Sufis who are now going uh, to the West and the Sufis who are coming from the West to to the to this part of the world, what kind of cultural changes that it 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 is bringing to the world? Mm. What kind of uh, cultural ideas? what kind of spiritual ideas they are exchanging, what kind of hybrid forms of 
uh, spiritual ideas that we are getting or one can uh, get so this is also something that needs to be explored because this is something that is developing with the passage of time uh, and lastly um, the role of social media the role of technology and how technology social media and these various platforms are transforming the um, beliefs the discourses and practices of the south needs to be more uh, researched because social media these platforms they have uh, in my opinion in my lim- limited research in my limited knowledge has um, influenced the contemporary sufism a lot in many ways okay so before i thank you for sharing your insights about sufism i just would request you to share some of poetry that that is very close to you okay pardon me for my uh, pronunciation for the for the language but i'll read something from uh, baba bulesha a plate from his poetry mulla te mashalchi dono ikko chit lokan karde channa aape hanere vich so the english translation is mulla and torch bearer come of one stock giving light to others themselves in the dark so thank you very much sad for for your insights and sharing Uh, so much information about uh, sufism and especially particularly in context of pakistan it was really pleasure to have you and uh, i hope the audience will also learn from your insight i also like to thank you jafar for giving me this opportunity to be on this very exciting initiative that you have taken uh, all the very best and uh, best wishes from us thank you so much